This is the Down to South London podcast, where experienced investor Jeroen Hopper talks to real investors south of the river. Lots of people say that you can't make good investments in London. Jeroen will talk to real people who are. Today I'm joined by Neil Samaria. Neil's going to tell us a bit about his uh, property journey and what he's been doing and so on and so forth. So diving right in, uh, Neil, why don't you tell the listeners who you are and what you do? My name is Neil Samaria. I own an estate agent called Charles Richardson uh, and I've been doing property for quite some time. So uh, probably as long as I've known you, maybe a bit before that. So I don't know how long that is. That's got, that's got to be... Uh, we met... Uh, I hired you in 2006, if I'm not that's mistaken. It's a, a long time. That is a long time ago. <laughs> 13 years ago yeah. now. Wow. That's yeah. uh, that's a long time. So you've had a you've had a long time in property. So you were a first estate agent, as yeah, I know. Absolutely, I hired you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you went on to do. Yeah, you hired me. I, I I stuck with the company for a little while. Learned a lot, which was great. So the idea was before I actually went to work with you guys. My my idea was to work with my dad, who does refurbishments, a bit of property development. He's he's a landlord, and he said to me, "You know what? You know what we do because I've been around it all my life. Why don't you go out and get some experience doing property um, in a different way? So so yeah. something that you can bring back if you ever want to come back to the business, uh, the family business." So that's when I joined you guys and I was there for a little while. And I never really went back to the family business. I just hopped around to different estate agents and eventually um, set on my own. And it was in a bit of a kind of tricky time when we set up. I think it was sort of end of 2008, beginning 2009. That is a tough time. It was a really tough time. So we had our business plan that I was working on for maybe eight months or so. And that was, we were hoping revenue was going to come. A lot of it was going to come from sales. And as you know, that time the kind of, the, the bottom fell out of the property market and the mortgage market and it's a really really difficult time for us so in, in, in fact what ended up happening is we put all our energy into rental and property management and, and that's what's really kind of helped us through the years so that's kept our business going when there's been you know troughs uh, we've had the management that, that really picked up and helped Absolutely. us because so you take your fees monthly so yeah. Yeah, you have a stable base income that's right. that, yeah, yeah. that comes back to uh, a lot of uh, people that I've had on the podcast they say multiple streams of income is very powerful but also passive streams of income because you can only sell so much of your own time so you know if you do a bit of consulting or whatever or exactly you know you sell lots of time you're going to run out of time to sell right Uh, but management sometimes you're busy sometimes you're not but you get paid regardless so it's like a recurring income exactly yeah much like that's another reason why i like investing in property as well so i've got a small portfolio and that keeps things ticking over in the background so I like to do all sorts of things, but mainly my focus has always been property for many years now, since you've known me as well. So whether it's buying property, developing, flipping, being in an estate agency, owning my business, you know, it's, it's, it's all revolving around property. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and it's great to see uh, the journey, actually, because when, you know, when we met, we were both uh, a lot younger and, uh, and probably not as wise as we are now. So uh, what key things have you learned from each of your stations in life? So you, you've gone from a state agency uh, to then doing your own thing. How do you, how do you find that transition and what, what have you learned along the way? When I first did it, when I went from employee to setting up my business, that was a, a massive shock in the amount that, that I thought I kind of, I, I thought I knew it. 
And then when I went in business and I was getting my business plan together, it was very daunting. And then even starting business and, and actually, you know, getting my, my loans and maxing credit cards to do to, to, to get up and running. Oh, it yeah, was, we've all been there. Man, it's scary. Yeah. It's absolutely scary. So I think um, it's, it's kind of really taught me how to, I suppose, manage time, manage my finances. Um, it's taught me how to organize. Uh, it's, it's really been a, a learning curve in organization and um, people management you know so having members of staff as well managing them and um, all all around I think it's uh, it's made me work a lot harder I thought I would get it easier and I realized that you know you, nothing's going to come easy you really got to put the graft in and um, yeah yeah I think it's, it's starting to pay off slowly but it's starting to pay off so after 15 years yeah <laughs> <laughs> only just <laughs> it takes a long time doesn't it I mean I only, a long I, game. I, the other day I went onto Facebook and I had a little rant about people that wanted things instantly yeah and that is something that, that comes back again and again in this 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 day and age you know Instagram and uh, Facebook generation people mm. want stuff and they want it now and they keep getting suckered into you know instant results, yeah. be it in the fitness industry or you know anything else. Oh, there's a solution out there. Sign here, part with your money now, yeah. and yeah. you'll have this problem solved in no time. But as an entrepreneur, you'll appreciate the hard work that people need to go through to get to where they're going. Yeah, sure. And 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 I've got Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts, and I'm and I'm also looking at people that are similar age to me and that have been incredibly successful at doing what they're doing so even I'm looking at them thinking you know what are they doing what am I not doing how am I going to get to the next stage so I can relate and I do know how it can affect people you know and it's, it's that psychological effect of you see someone else that's got it and you want to go get it but you want it like you're saying this very instant so right I think this that's why you get a lot of people selling courses for like you say for fitness for property um, you know how to be a property entrepreneur in like a year or 12 month mm -hmm. course and you could you'll be a millionaire you know stuff yeah, like that yeah. and I'm sure there are some people that have done it but it's, it's got to be the, it's got to be a very few it's got to be a small it's percentage it's a minority yeah, isn't it you know you get lucky you do a good deal yeah. whatever yeah it can happen yeah. I'm not I, and I'm not knocking you know anyone who sells uh, educational courses I've been on courses yeah, they've yeah. been really valuable me too, me too. Not knocking that at all, but I think uh, part of being an entrepreneur is uh, being patient and being tenacious in the sense that you've got your goal, you've got to go towards it, and, and every day is a battle, every yeah. day is a step. And the what came out of previous conversations with fellow entrepreneurs is that, you know, there's ups, there's downs, and I'm sure you've had it as well, where, you know, your credit cards are maxed out, you've got to pay for bills. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's the financial overwhelm. There's the customer overwhelm. How do you overcome that? That is a really tough question, you know, because um, I think I've spoken to you about it as well when we've had our chats on the phone. Where there are times where I've wanted to lock up shop, you know, and and you just got to find that resilience and mental strength to say, you know, you you've got this far. It's it's just you've got to just keep going. It's just one door closes and another one will open, but you've got to just stay in it for long enough. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking that, you know, taking a step back knowing where you've come from and how far you've come and, and you know a disappointment shouldn't be the end of your journey you mm. know? So, but it's, it's having that mental toughness and, and really I can understand why uh, why a lot of people will, will sometimes close up shop or decide to quit on something because it really isn't easy being an entrepreneur or being a businessman in general you know just any investment where, where you're, that you're involved in you, you've got to you've in my opinion you've got to have a long term view you can't have a short term view on anything 
and um, I think I think that's one of the other things that I've learned. You know, just just think long term and you'll get it. Absolutely, and you know, look at where you are today. Mm. Did you ever think you'd be sitting here as successful as you are? You know, when when you uh, crawled into that desk in Dulwich, in the back of the office, where we didn't even have a proper office, we had to like hot desk basically some spare computers that they had. Yeah, yeah. It, we were literally yeah. It, it, it was it was another it was another team's office, right? I we know, were at the back of it. We were the, the outcasts. That's you right. Know, yeah. Coming from that to now yeah. running your own business, you know, driving yeah. a nice car and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I, I knew we'd get there. I, I definitely knew that we we do something but getting here at this point it's been amazing to look back and see you know that's where yeah. it kind of a lot of it started right then at, at those desks those three Crazy, desks yours yeah, mine yeah, yeah. and Tolu's I think it was we just had three desks that's it three desks yeah. that's it that's it <laughs> and um, and to anyone listening this is this is not overnight success this is 15 years of mm. like hard graft you know yeah. this is a long long time so so tell us about some of the uh, deals that you've been doing so the deal started, and, and I think I got um, I got sucked in a little bit to thinking that I was invincible on my first couple of deals. Because, oh really? Yeah, I, <laughs> and, and I should have learned. Confidence. You know, yeah, I was I was supremely confident. So uh, my first deal was um, confident or ignorant. I think, uh, but maybe a bit of both. I've got to be honest. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was it was more confidence. I think because the first deal that we did was a it was a two bedroom house uh two up two down bathroom back of the kitchen that those sort of old houses it was uh it was in a road in croydon quite close to the brit school and the guy selling it was in major financial difficulty and it came through a friend of mine um, and he said look you know i can't buy this I'm, I'm i know the family i don't wanna if i end up making money on it it's not gonna look good so you know pass the deal on so I went to see the guy. It took about six months to get him to to a position where he was ready to move from the property. Um, he he was going to get repossessed. I think we literally saved the house from being repossessed. Um, we we gave him enough money to move on. I bought that house for I think it was a hundred and five thousand uh, pounds. That was probably going about six or seven years ago now. Wow, sounds was cheap uh, even for them. It, yeah, it was. It was supremely cheap. It was it was ridiculous. Um, we bought the house. We spent, I think it was about forty thousand pounds on it. We were about one fifty in, and we sold it for two thirty. Wow. So that was a really nice first deal, you know. So we were able to flip that quite quickly. Um, the next one we did was um, uh, so. So the next one we did was I got a business partner for the next one. He was a builder. Sure. Uh, he started off as as my gas engineer in the office, but then he started to do his own building projects, and we became very good friends. And he came to me with a deal and he said, look, there's a property just down the road. Just find out who owns it because there's no one, no one's been there for, for months and months and months, find out. So I did a few letter drops, uh, couldn't work out who owned it, did a land reg. Eventually I got through to um, a buy land reg, I got through to the person who owned it. Uh, we bought that property. Uh, and the reason why that one wasn't actually selling it was because everyone thought, everyone that did see it, thought it had subsidence. Oh. So they had knocks on the doors, they had letters, they were getting a bit, I, I, I don't know why they left it empty for so long but they were getting a bit annoyed at investors coming in um, promising the world and not delivering and there were huge cracks down the walls so when we got in my, my builder said you know what I, I really don't think it's as bad as what people are saying there may be some subsidence maybe at the rear corner there may be but look at where the chimney is so, so the chimneys weren't being supported what, they, what the person had done is taken away the, down, the ground floor chimney 
and not supported it. Oh, the chimney at the top was leaning, and then there was big cracks running down the wall. Gotcha. So we bought the house. We managed to get a couple of investors together. We bought it cash for one sixty two and a half. That was a three bed house, and that was at the back of Croydon University Hospital. Really nice road. Um, and we spent on that, I think it was 50000 we spent on it, we sold it for three forty, um, and I split that with my business partner, who was the builder, he was doing the build at the time wow. as well. That's good. So, so we did really well on that one. And then we rolled those profits and we bought two in auction, and that's where we came, came unstuck slightly. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, um, See, this is stuff you don't yeah, hear when it goes yeah. wrong, so I'm keen it, to hear it. Go so on. So when I say it went wrong, it, we didn't make any money. It, it, it took so much time and we didn't make any money. We bought two properties. I think we made five thousand pounds on one, but taking into to account the time that we spent oh, on time, it, oh yeah. man, it just yeah. it just killed it. Um, and the other one, we literally made no money, broke even. Wow. So that was uh, in South Norwood, great location, right by the station. But the one that kind of killed us was uh, it was a studio flat. It was a ground floor studio flat, and it had an extension out the back, like an unfinished extension. But on the auction, on on the lease plan, it showed that the extension was part of the the um, original house well no, it, it part of our lease it was part of the demise that, right, part, yeah. part of the lease that we were buying so I thought you know what we'll go in there we'll we'll build out that extension turn it into one bedroom sell it you yeah. know nice and easy I do the uh, same yeah absolutely sounds easy yeah sounds easy and then uh, what happened in the just after we'd exchanged and bought the property um, there was a new freeholder who didn't uh, who wrote to us and said that we had built an illegal extension to the back of the property. And we tried to prove that it was there before. We provided evidence and photos and whatnot. Uh, and in the end, we just couldn't get past the freeholder. They threatened all sorts of legal action. Wow. Uh, they were really aggressive. Um, I did a bit of a search on them and found that they were one of those kind of really difficult freehold companies that you know you just don't want to get on the wrong side of. We threw it back in auction and uh, we just got our money back out. Wow. So, uh, okay. We were lucky to get our money out of that one. Wasn't fresh water by any chance, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't, but I do know fresh water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, 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 but different, right? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's really interesting. So yeah, it's good that yeah. you were able to dispose of it back in auction. Yeah. But that, kind of but that could have gone wrong as well. Oh, that, that could have, gone you could have sold you know, for 10 grand less or whatever. You yeah. Could actually those, lost. those two properties at the end there in auction, they, they took about a year and a half of my time and a year and a half of capital that I could have used in the other projects. That's cost, isn't oh, it? massively. Yeah, people don't factor in these things. You know, so that kind of brought me back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> more due diligence. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. How would you um, prevent that from happening next time um, around? So now it's kind of put me off auctions. Okay. And I know it really shouldn't because, you know, it's just, just, a, it's just something that happened. But yeah, it would definitely be more due diligence. Do a lot more homework, especially buying an auction because um, we do bits and pieces with Homes Under the Hammer we're filming with them all the time absolutely so and, and you know just from that just from working with them we, they always say check the legal packs yeah we did but you know just something that happened it was just a strange yeah. thing just well, one of the quirks I don't think you could have really prevented that from happening by those sorts of things no I don't think we well we, we tried to do everything we possibly could uh, we did rush into the purchase but but all the information was in that legal pack and, yeah sure and that was uh, it, it's just you know the freeholder changed it was just a bit of a weird with series of events, I'm surprised that they um, that they could have anything to say. Mm. Bearing in mind it's on the lease plan, I think we could afford it a bit more. We could afford it more aggressively, and um, I, at that point in time, we just wanted to get out, get our money yeah, out, yeah, sure, move on to um, other things, move on to other things. I wanted to buy my own house for my wife and I, and 
um, I just needed the money. So uh, yeah, got, got yeah, out quick. quick. Put the money so, out. Yeah. <laughs> so onto a success story. A yeah. while back, you showed me a beautiful conversion you did in yeah, Dulwich. Yeah. So tell us about that. That's that has to be my favorite project. Uh, it it certainly far. was beautiful. Yeah. I would definitely um, have those finishing touches in my property any yeah, day of the week. Yeah. It was absolutely stunning. So I, I kind of designed that, and I was uh, I was looking at Pinterest, and I was looking at architectural design I, magazines, I and yeah, and all sorts. You know? <laughs> so I really put my homework in because of that kind of location of where where that property was. I felt that if we didn't get it just right, we were not going to achieve the maximum value for it. Um, so. It, it was a bit of a success story, although I think we could have got that project completed maybe eight months earlier and and due to what was happening at the market in that time, so we actually, I'll tell you the story, but we ended up selling it for 600,000, but I think we really could have sold it for around 630 if we sold it eight months earlier. The yeah. market was really in a bit of a decline at that point. Well, let's backtrack a little yeah, bit sure. just for the listeners. So you bought it in when oh god so when did we say 18 so we bought it in 2016 you bought it in 2016 yeah, yeah. Uh, just to give some overview so this is uh, an upstairs flat mm. share a freehold and you were going to go into a loft yeah. and make it into a two bed two bath yeah yeah which from, we did yeah. from a one bed to yeah. a two bed two bath right yeah. so the constraints you had i remember you telling me was the downstairs oh, neighbor wow. because she was a co-freeholder she was a co-freeholder you needed a deed of variation <laughs> on the lease correct. to get the loft demised into your lease plan correct tell the listeners about that that's uh i should have learned from the due diligence point on on the other two <laughs> properties right but it was such a good deal buying it at the price we got it at 350 in that location we thought you know we can't really go too far wrong here <laughs> and what assumptions could go wrong? yeah exactly assumptions are the mother of all screw-ups right so yeah. <laughs> never, assume, never assume anything so we thought oh she's got to be a lovely freeholder co-freeholder downstairs knock on her door and say look you have nothing to do with the the, the loft so uh, half of the, yeah exactly half of the loft was demised in her lease and we went around and said look you know i'll take care of all the roof works any future roof works right now you're liable for half the cost of any future roof works etc you might as well just sign over half of the uh, half of the loft she was like, why? <laughs> and then, uh, so, so uh, she saw the planning notices um, on the lamppost as well, and we'd put in planning. Um, and uh, Before you got her consent. Before we got her consent, and I think we kind of wound her up a little bit. Okay. And she knew what we were doing, but she ended up asking me for, so she worked out what the, co what the price of a decent standard two-bed would be in the area at the time. And she, uh, she basically, kind of done back of a cigarette packet kind of calculations and said you're set to make around 100 grand I want 50 grand for your wow. for your loft space that's ballsy <laughs> yeah. I thought you were ballsy just right. asking for the consent yeah. going sign here but she threw that one right back <laughs> at you didn't she straight back at me and um, we went back and forth for quite some time which was one of the reasons why that project took so long to actually get started as well you know trying to go back and forth with this co-freeholder I think she was a, a medical doctor that worked in the hospital down the road so she was she wasn't a city she was clued up properly clued up so we eventually we got her to agree to i think it was seventeen thousand pounds okay for, for the loft so so we we paid her some of the money up front we got the um, the deed of variation we got the lease done and then we went ahead with the conversion but what we actually did was was we went all the way back to brick in the existing flat we took everything out 
we rewired replums, we put down a beautiful 20, 25 mil oak parquet herringbone floor, individual oak plinths. It was beautiful. It was stunning, yeah, I, I would live there, it's a stunning flat. And in, in the loft, when we did the loft conversion, instead of just putting um, just, uh, just a nice big window in there, we went with a aluminium anthracite grey bifold, so you could open up the whole back of the loft to make the it Juliet open. balcony. Juliet glass yeah. balcony. So we ran into a few issues with, um, with the way the staircase was. And because we wanted the natural light to come through the windows down the stairs, because the flat was a little dark in the hallway, we put in also like glass, uh, a glass balustrade up the stairs and round, uh, and round the top of the stairs as well. But This sounds like overspend. Yes, it was massive <laughs> overspend. Yeah. It looked good. <laughs> it was incredible. And we had lots of oak in there, exposed oak and yeah, yeah. specialist carpentry and joinery. But for the glass, we had to get fire-rated glass, and I didn't budget for that, and it was seriously more expensive than... Fire-rated glass? Right, because we had the, the separation of the bedroom upstairs. Sure. So. The first thing that you think about <laughs> in a fire, is this glass balustrade <laughs> going to burn quickly or slowly? Yeah, pop or something. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's so, uh, health and safety going mad, if you yeah, ask me. Yeah, I think it was. It's a bit over the top. But for the look and the finish, so so we were we were thinking, forget the glass, you know, just plasterboard Spindles, it. And, yeah. yeah, forget it. Um, but but we ended up going through with it. I, I fought my business partner on it because I had a business partner on this project. All the way through, everything that I wanted to do, he was like, you're going way too high end, you don't <laughs> need to do it. And uh, he's probably right, we, we probably didn't need to go that high end, but it was, in my opinion, the best project that we've done by far. It was, um, I think if any, well, the first person that walked in made an offer straight away. Um, we had a few low offers, but, but we had a really, you know, all the feedback was absolutely positive and we rated we, we waited for the right offer so we stuck it on I think we stuck in at uh, 620 625 just to come back to timeline yeah. so you bought it in 2018 what yeah. month beginning yeah? sorry 2016. 2016 we sold it in 2018 yeah. wow okay yeah, yeah, um, yeah so when did it go on the market when was it actually finished so it finished at the beginning of 2018 so it took you two years to basically get to finished product short short of two years yeah because we just started short. sort of just uh, I think it was end of first quarter 2016 Wow. So okay. yeah, yeah. So the finance costs are mounting up. Time is About mounting up as 30 well. Thirty grand in finance costs. Well, people yeah. don't factor in time value of money as yeah. well. Like you yeah. could have done another deal in that time. Yeah, we could have done yeah. another deal. And that's the thing, you know, we when we bought that project, I thought I was going to spend around eighty grand on the project. I'll get it to a nice finish. After doing a bit more research and my budget started to increase a little bit, there were some things that we didn't account for. So if I rate glass, put my budget up by another five grand and things damn like that. Damn that Pinterest. Yeah, yeah, damn Pinterest. <laughs> and mortgage interest and everything, you know. So we ended up including my mortgage interest, what we'd spent on the project. We spent about, we spent close to 150, I think it was 140 or 1,000 pounds. Wow, that's some serious dosh yeah, on yeah. a yeah. Know, loft conversion on a loft conversion, basically. That's right, so yeah. Th this just goes to show how, you know, you went to town on this. We, we went to town on it, we put an Italian kitchen in there, again, something Italian, wow. I, I don't recommend anyone do if what, you're what the property. <laughs> <laughs> Looks pretty, falls apart yeah. when you start the engine, yeah? <laughs> yeah, but you know, the, the great thing for us was, off the back of that, we got, we got quite a few referred projects out of it. So okay. we've, we've done, since done quite a few bathrooms, a few kitchens, and um, it's been really good. It's been really good, you know, so. And we, and we made a good amount of money on it too. Okay. Yeah, so okay. pretty pleased with it. Yeah, that's good. So break break that down. I mean, you spent two years of your life on it. Um, yeah. How much 
you spent 150 grand on the roof roofer roughly, said, yeah, 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 yeah. there and thereabouts you obviously had deposit monies and all the rest of it let's call it 200 grand tied up on this property yeah um well and you had to pay is that 150 reefer does that include the payment to the neighbor as well that does yeah it includes okay. everything so that's yeah. everything we spent on it plus the 350 to buy the property uh brings us in for around five ish uh we sold it for six so we pulled out roughly 100 grand it was okay. it was just under it was like 90 something grand okay like 100 for 100, uh, 100 grand and yeah so if you break it down over time yeah you're right you know we could have probably done a, another couple of flips yeah maybe that 100 would have been 200 so that's 50 a year sure that right. you made divide right. by two people that's right that's yeah. 25 grand a year exactly yeah. so yeah you think it, people don't factor this in do they, they don't because a project can overrun and so. it can overrun and, and that was probably one of the oldest houses uh, one of the oldest masonettes on the street oldest houses on the street so there was a series of four of them and I think they were the original ones built on that road and we ex we uncovered so many issues going back to brick with that property uh, a cost that we had never accounted for really go so, on so just uh, just basic things you know like uh, when you're hacking back the brick you see the brick crumbling mm -hmm. and there's so much more in terms of uh, rendering and then making bonding and making sure the walls are, are good ready for a skin finish so you know we thought just hack it back just quick render over or, or dot and dab the plasterboard straight over and, and go over the top but just small thing just might took so much time it was just like small thing after thing it was like literally small thing after thing after thing and just mounted up to months and months being invested into wow. that project yeah wow so you got your overrun on time yeah. you got yeah. your overrun on cost anyway yeah. would you do that project again yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think i would do it again um i definitely I think the things that I would do differently is is probably uh, not go as far as I did with the design and, and, and the finish on the property. Um, I think I probably could achieve similar if I been a bit clever and shopped around a bit more and done some of the things and not you know not gone the whole hog. Um, and I think the profit margins would have been up there or thereabouts, mm -hmm. and I would have probably reduced my time to, to do the projects. Reduced so. your time. Yeah, time is a winner, you know, and people forget. Yeah. <laughs> It's an age-old thing of, oh, I'm making so much return, but how much work are you putting in, how much time right. are you putting in? And running a business at the same time. So Absolutely. Running back this and was forth. not passive, was no, it? No. This isn't your buy to that. No, <laughs> that's right, yeah. You know, from going from Thornton Heath, Croydon area to, um, to, to pretty much, yeah, Peckham, Dulwich, uh, that sort of area, is, is not an easy drive. Yeah. Doing that maybe twice a day sometimes, you know. I don't envy you at all. That's, yeah, that's on top of running, running a business. And yeah dealing with the buy-to-lets and all sorts but that's the most fun that I have it's, it's doing the projects you know seeing some taking something and turning it into a beautiful property or adding another story and creating more flats or building something is that's the fun part you like that the creation I, I absolutely love that part of the job yeah because yeah, someone asked me like oh, what, what is it you like about um, working for yourself and, and stuff like that and I love the actual coming up with the idea making the deal you know yeah, the handshake yeah. the right let's get this over the line the actual uh, execution the nitty-gritty yeah. yeah I'll set up the systems and what have you but like actually running it day to day like man that is not me like and that's why I got out of estate agency yeah, yeah, because yeah. I was running my own business I just wasn't enjoying it I found that people let me down mm. you know you start to hate all the customers because basically you don't like your job anymore and you think, okay, well, well, how can I flip this round? What can I do? And, and people were saying to me, like, oh, you should do property investment full time. And it's, it's the best decision I ever made because all my income is passive. Yeah. I just agree deals. I leverage out all the work and it's just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 
and I, I understand that point of view because also when, when doing these projects there is a bit in the middle where I get frustrated it's something that I love to do but it's it's when you turn the corner so doing the deal is a really exciting bit shake it like you said yeah. shake someone's hand handshake. you've got a great deal you know you've won basically right, right. Let's go. we've yeah. changed that's yeah. it yeah. it's over the line yeah <laughs> and um You've got that bit in the middle where where things I, I like the rip out stage because something's happening, but then going through and refurbishing the boring stuff, you know, the plastering stuff that's mm. boring. But then when you turn a corner and you start to finish and design and you can see the end, see the that's light of the it. tunnel, that again becomes very exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. When a professional yeah. photographer comes right, in, then right. you know it. you've made it. That's <laughs> yeah, it. It's yeah. going on the market. That's yeah. it. And then you've got the next hurdle to look forward yeah. to: the offers coming in or the inevitable. Neil, it's not worth as much oh, as you man. thought it was. I bet that yeah. hurt, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, with the valuation on that property, we went to, I think it was three or four agents. We went to a couple of big high street agents and then a couple of smaller ones. Um, the, the smaller agent, one of the smaller agents gave us the highest valuation. And the spread of values were between 575 and 675. Oh, they gave us a hundred thousand pounds spend. I could not believe it. I really couldn't believe it. So the lowest one was from one of the big corporates, it was Kinley Folkard and Hayward. They gave us the, the lowest valuation, probably um, in his opinion, was just saying, Look, I'll sell it for you tomorrow and you know but that's not what we were there for. We wanted no. full work. But yeah, I knew that we weren't gonna sell it for six seven five. That's stupid. That's absolutely no, crazy. That's there's gotta be something in between. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And that uh, people forget that, you know, the mm. price is the price, but you can get a, uh, a lower price quicker or a higher price slower to yeah. a degree right yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't just ask for the earth and then you know wait a million years it doesn't work like that but That's right, yeah. under normal marketing circumstances you get an offer within you know three to five weeks of marketing what month give or take what is the price so why'd you go on it so we originally went on uh, I was really pushing to go on at 650 even though I knew that was toppy I was thinking, you know, six thirty, six forty is what we should probably get for it. But the agents convinced us to put it on at six thirty. I think it was six thirty, and then we we took one price reduction after about a week and a half. Quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a big price reduction. We did want one out of that project by that point as well, if I'm honest with you. But we had literally people that went in were making us offers. They weren't what we wanted, which which was one of the reasons why we thought, you know, okay, we'll accept that early on price reduction. I think the market was telling us, people were telling us that it's not worth as much as I thought what, it was. What offers were you getting at that time? So I was getting 580s, 570s, I got oh, one at 595. Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was upset by that, I'm not going to lie. Well, that's <laughs> all, all that work. And yeah, that, so. Kudos to the agents for getting the hot buyers yeah, in, because yeah. you know it's a big thing to make an offer on the property. Of course, and yeah. I'm surprised that they advise you to go on at 6.30, because we both know from experience that right move goes up in 25 grand that's brackets. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, well, 6.25 or 6.30, I think the 65. extra hits that you get yeah. at 6.25 yeah. would be invaluable to go on at that level. Why 6.30? Yeah, yeah. You, you know... I think we probably we probably should have put it down or just stuck it on at 625 and we would have probably gotten off a quicker or one that we wanted quicker um, we, we took 600 in the end and I think we we're quite happy with that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think you've undersold that I mean no, that's just the market at the time it's yeah like, yeah well, what do you do do you wait five years and get 700 you, you just don't know but but like like what you were saying and what we were saying you know if we had done some things a little bit differently got it on the market and sold it quicker uh, the market was really buoyant in that area. Eight months prior, I think things yeah. were selling. We saw sold comparables for around six thirty, six fifty. That's all in between. Uh, some some nice properties. So you know, it's just uh, just the way it went, I suppose. But it was good. In the end, it was worth 
whoever's got that property has got a very good property. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we did everything. No maintenance for a hundred years. Oh, no, there's <laughs> nothing to be done, yeah. And the guys that we used were, were really good. Absolutely. Really good guys, did yeah. your brother do most of the work? No, so he did a little bit of the work at the beginning, but for some of the more bespoke joinery work, and uh, we got in someone else that me and my brother, we both sure. know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we got him in. That was good. Did a great job. I, I, I saw the finished product, yeah. and um, man, if you can copy that and put that here, it's oh, wow. absolutely yeah. lovely. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, I got love the, the kitchen, ones. the copper finishes yes. in the kitchen, they're just absolutely stunning. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. very happy to live there. My business partner was was not convinced when I told him that we're going to put in like a midnight blue, navy blue kitchen and we're going to go with these fittings. He was like, what are you talking about, man? Everything's like gloss white, right? And I was like, yeah. no, wait, no. I was like, no, no. But that's like that. rental stuff, right? Yeah, that's rental stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it's just uh, understanding the market a bit more, you know. Just out of interest, how much did you spend on the kitchen alone? You know, it wasn't that bad. It was, I think it was uh, 13... No, it wasn't as high as that. I think with the, including the appliances, it was 13, but just a kitchen on its own, I think it was somewhere around 10, 11,000 pounds. I think yeah. it, was, it wasn't that's, bad at all. That's still quite a lot of money compared to your white gloss job. Oh, which, of course. You, know, you, you course, can get yeah. for, uh, I, I think I pay about 3,000 pounds, right, including right. all the appliances. This uh, was like solid wood, yeah, shaker. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Good finish. Good quality. Good quality, yeah. absolutely. It came over from Italy in the Lamborghini? Or? <laughs> <laughs> it should have for that price, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah. expect to have a go as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was for, the, for what we got, yeah, we, we did okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that included the stone tops and everything. Oh, including the stone tops. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that's yeah, the other thing, isn't yeah. it? So yeah, yeah, it's good. You we'll spend the money on the uh, the touch points, as I always say, the uh, door handles, the light switches, and yeah. It, yeah in a kitchen it's always the worktop and taps absolutely yeah so, that was good so South London is where it's at for you absolutely 100% you know I, I never ventured too far I will say between a half an hour 40 minute drive if I can get there in that time that's the area that I kind of like to stick to um, going too much further out than that you know I, I've got so much going on with my other business activities and ventures you know to for it to suck maybe two, three, four hours out of my day just traveling and seeing something coming back, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it's it. It's not worth it, it. no. no. And you can't leverage that stuff. You've got to go and see it for yourself, haven't yeah. you? So, and that's yeah. why I always say to people that want to invest up in Manchester or Liverpool or Outer Hebrides or, yeah. or they go, oh, but the yield is 20%. I'm like, really? How much petrol money? That's right, yeah. yeah. So I've got a friend tickets, of mine. flights, you know? Yeah, exactly. I've got a friend of mine at the moment that's, uh, that's about to exchange in a property in Loughborough and he's his first rental investment and he's gone all the way up to Loughborough for a student let um, don't get me wrong the yields sound sound really good but uh, he's got to have a really good agent to make sure that's managed properly and um, yeah if you don't if you if you're unlucky and you don't get a good agent then you're, you're going to be driving up to Loughborough yeah, yeah, you know, you're going to be sorting stuff out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and then you've got the capital appreciation element of it as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. And there's a reason that the rest of the UK doesn't appreciate as much as, as London. And mm. I know historically over the past, you know, what, three to five years, Manchester's done pretty well, yeah. more than Powerhouse and stuff like that. Yeah. So not knocking people that do invest up there. I mean, people have their strategies, right? Oh, yeah, but, of course. Um, my argument has always been, why not just stay local find mm. something that works there's deals here there are deals yeah, yeah there are yeah. absolutely deals and um, and people say oh money's the problem but you can team up with people like, yeah. yeah South London has so much to offer mm. I personally I can't see why South Londoners don't invest locally and, yeah. and you know invest in the area and you said Loughborough I say Loughborough Junction <laughs> I nearly bought a flat around there until I got um, uh, gazumped by, oh, uh, by another offer great area 
It's a great area, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But uh, it turned out well. It turned out to be a good. Well, it was a good deal at the time, but I'm glad I didn't buy it because um, I'd actually agreed a purchase price of three twenty-five, I believe it was, and there was a twenty grand section twenty notice Ooh. on that. Okay. Um, yeah. So effectively taking the price up a little bit, right? And I said to the vendor, "Look, we'll split it." So effectively, I'm paying three three five. Mm. Now the um, value went in, and they they actually downvalued it a little bit. And I said, look, I, I can't really pay you more than sort of three twenty plus half, so say, say three thirty, right? And um, and she didn't agree to it. She didn't want to do it. So she put it back on the market, and um, she actually got three three five, and the buyer was going to pay the section twenty. Oh wow! Okay. And so I missed out on that oh. one. I was quite happy to walk away from it. And then I actually sourced one for a client. Which was two blocks along, and I negotiated three oh six on that Ooh, one. Nice. So yeah. uh, basically, yeah. the market dropped ten percent, and uh, and I was like, wow, I'm glad I didn't buy yeah, that one, yeah. Life yeah. Projunction, because I would have effectively, you know, in the space of six months, have lost thirty k in equity. And that's see, ten percent in six months. That's that's aggressive. That's you know? it is aggressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and we've seen those kind of drops yeah, in yeah, yeah. you know the areas that I invest in, Peckham, Deptford. Uh, I was offered a two bed for two thirty the other day. Mm. Council split level wow. nice and that. I thought, wow, that's a bargain. Yeah. I mean, there was something wrong with it. It was the only private one in the block, <laughs> so <laughs> getting finance on it would have been yeah. impossible. But yeah. uh, still, you know, two thirty for a two bed council flat. Yeah, absolutely. just cash buyers that'll lap that up. I'm sure it wasn't yeah. for me, but um, yeah, crikey, there are deals out there. There, there are many deals, deals out, out there. there. Yeah, we we see stuff coming through. Uh, a lot of the time you know a lot of it is not what I'm looking for but you know just because we deal with landlords day in day out and due to a lot of taxation changes etc you know we've had a few landlords that have been willing to sell just to get out they don't want any more hassle you know the the the, the, the rental income now is going to push them over a certain threshold and they're like you know they just can't be bothered with it and they haven't set anything up to kind of counter that um, yeah. You get some landlords, uh, some accidental landlords that, that, that the media sometimes calls them. Um, so I can understand why landlords are some landlords are selling, and you know there are there are deals out there. I think there's going to be more deals now that there's going to so, be yeah. more prices have dropped a bit. You know, yeah. anything that needs work, um, it's yeah. more difficult for developers and investors to get finance. Yeah. There's also less developers and investors out there. Yes. So if you're yeah. you know if you're in possession of a property that needs work or whatever people need to spend money on it. Well, you can't borrow that money, can you? Right. I mean, unless you go for something bigger, high-end, and you can get development finance. But normally, these sort of small, smaller builds, like what you and me are doing, you know, that's that's individual investors, small-time, yeah. you know, we're, we're not building Trump Towers here, but, you know, we're dependent on, on the cash in order to fund the refurb, right? right? And right. you can't borrow that cash quite that well, easily. Yeah. No, exactly. You've exactly. got to be quite creative. So, like you say, yeah, you've got to be creative, JV, and you know, do all sorts. And you know, yeah, there are there are ways to do it, and there are definitely ways to invest locally. I, yeah, like you're saying, you know, it's just got to be the way to go for me. I'm I'm definitely not interested in anything outside of uh, just literally going north of the river. I'm not interested in even going north of the river. You know, I just want to stay down here. I hear you. I'm brother. happy. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's enough. There's enough. Yeah, there's plenty to go around. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, tell me, what's your favourite part of South London? Uh, at the moment, oh, that's a tricky question. Hmm. I've I've always loved where I live. I've always loved where I live. So so I love Croydon, South Croydon. I love that area. I absolutely love the fact that they um, that they put a box park right by East Croydon Station, and that's been really fun. Uh, you know, they have some great events. 
just the other week they had an amazing event at Lloyd Park uh, music festival which was run by uh, the people that do like uh, the Coldplay concerts and stuff so it was run awesome. really well it was wow. great and it was really fun it's just kind of adding a bit of vibrancy and life into yeah, absolutely it's a young vibrant area isn't yeah, it yeah exactly exactly right so and I think more people are starting to um, take Croydon more seriously because it's got such good rail links into London mm -hmm. it's not got a tube station but the rail links are fantastic um, so I'm always going to be a champion for my area 100% but going outside of that um, I've, I've lived so so where I've always lived is kind of Thornton Heath just off the A23 which goes up to Brixton down towards South Croydon and Brighton and going that way sure. so going the other way you know Brixton's a load of fun I love I love going out in Brixton they've got some great bars great restaurants so they're the two places that I really love in South Croydon, uh, South, South London yeah absolutely awesome man and uh, any uh, any places that you think our listeners should check out in terms of food or anything to do you mentioned the Box Park in Croydon, Absolutely, which is new great. to me. I didn't know about that. Oh, that's, so that's I'll be a, checking that out. That's when fun. Down yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do some great events there, and uh, especially if you like sports, they usually show it on the big screens and grab a few beers. It's it's really good fun actually. So yeah, next time I'll, I'll take you to Box Park and we'll go awesome. out and have a few yeah, drinks. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one place that that um, I really like in Croydon particularly is a, is a little bar called Playground Bar. Um, and that's a really cool quirky little bar it kind of reminds me of some of the bars that are in Clapham so you can see how things are kind of changing in Croydon you know you're getting uh, people demanding that that vibe and wow. that sort of thing and there's a few bars like that now starting to crop up which is really cool um, and in um, and in Brixton no, there's, there's so many places um, thanks very much for being on the show it's been a great interview it's really been great to get to speak to you and get to know you a bit better thanks for having me what I'd like to do is if you could just remind the listeners how to get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about either a state agency in Croydon or sourcing deals around there um, how do they get in touch with you? Sure, so you can get in touch with me by ringing my office line you can ring that on 0208 239 1007 that's Charles Richardson you can talk to me about anything South London property related I'm a landlord I don't just look at things from an estate agent point of view I look at things from you know how would I want to run my investment property you know so anything property related give me a shout and, and give me a call on that number you can visit my website which is charlesrichardsonltd.com and email me at neil at charlesrichardsonltd.com that's n-e-a-l gotcha well thanks very much for that neil i really appreciate that i think the listeners will get a lot of value from uh, speaking to you if they do reach out and it's nice to get someone on the show who's uh, an estate agent like I used to be, but sees it from a developer stroke investor's sure, eyes. Yeah. And I think, um, I think once you're on this side of the fence, the investor side, you start to understand people a lot better and the motivations. And you don't just think about it from a estate agency target's point of view. I think, you know, you'll probably agree with me on this, that the moment that I started investing myself and, and I just looked at things a lot differently yeah. from a property management perspective. It wasn't about cheap fixes, it was about, you know, building long-term relationships and foregoing the quick buck in order to hit the targets yeah. to just, you know, build the relationship. And yeah, it's slower, but success doesn't come overnight, does no, it? No, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you on that because... Um, when we set up our agency, actually, I'll just add this for you. Just when we set up our agency, that was one thing that we really wanted to make sure. Um, I was a landlord at the time when I did set up my agency. So you saying exactly what you said, it just really kind of um, kind of makes sense. And, and it's kind of how we run our agency from the beginning is from the point of view that we know property from a landlord's point of view. We know 
uh, how to run property from that point of view and not take shortcuts and not be so target driven but like you say build those relationships with our landlords mm -hmm. and say you know look we're in your shoes we know what we're doing you know this is take our advice because we're, we're doing it you know we are landlords too so that's powerful it's yeah. very powerful and yeah. that's why people come to me to have me manage their property for them now mm -hmm. and um, and I'm able to you know manage it like I would manage my own absolutely that's, and that's, uh, that's powerful yeah but we'll leave it there Thank thanks you. very much for coming on the show Cheers, and man. Um, yeah we'll see you soon definitely thanks very much if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe on Stitcher SoundCloud or iTunes and please do give a five-star review to help me reach others also are you looking to invest in London why not reach out to me to see how I can help you see further information at www.yarunhopper.com